Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast it's joe marino and kyle krabs we're your hosts chris schubert floating around producing this thing we're all from the draft network and we're brought to you by bet online the number one spot for all your sports wagering information they've got it all nfl college football but that's not it there's major league baseball there's tennis golf hockey esports Vegas casino games, you name it, they have it. Live in-game betting. Super easy to use website that's available on your desktop or your mobile device. Sign up today. We'll give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BLEAV50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. It's bet online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, a very happy, terrifying, happy national kids take over the kitchen day to you. Kids take over the kitchen day. I haven't experienced this yet. Oh. We've only done like the the pudding with the food coloring or the like the kids say food coloring or whatever and like finger painted on like our tray. That's the only that's the only thing like that we've gotten thus mm. far. Very soon in your future you're going to hear these words. I want to help. And the next thing you know, you are forced to allow a small child stir <laughs> <laughs> and pour things into bowls, and uh, you know it doesn't uh, doesn't always go as clean, pun intended, as you wished. I can imagine not. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. haven't got there yet. So we have gotten past week one of the NFL season, we have. and I feel like every year we have this come to Jesus moment where it's like, let's have perspective. Week one can be a liar, right? And so. A lot of good things happened for teams that wasn't expected. Some teams that we expected a lot of kind of laid an egg in week one. And today on the podcast, what we want to do is sort through what is true and what is not coming out of week one of the 2022 NFL season. Yeah, so where do you want to cross all 16 games that were played for 32 teams (laughs) Uh, do we start with the games that kind of surprised us as far as the outcomes? I think that's probably the and we we talked about this yesterday uh, with the rest of the team, but um, some of the some of the outcomes not necessarily big surprises in how we got there, but there were a few that were, including Houston and Indianapolis coming to a tie, <laughs> Pittsburgh beating Cincinnati, and courtesy of what eighteen thousand turnovers for the yeah. Bengals. I think it was. Right at about 18,000, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and then we had Chicago defeating San Francisco. So out of those three, where do you want to start? Um, Man, what was the second one that you said? It was the Bengals. Let's talk Bengals and Steelers, right? Bengals, Great. AFC champions. Steelers, a team in transition, kind of low expectations. Joe Burrow turned over the ball a ton. He got sacked a ton. 
And my thought with this game was Joe Burrow looked like a, a quarterback that didn't necessarily have the reps he needed in the preseason to step into this environment against a good Steelers defense. That's tough. I mean, I know that they have some holes on the back end, but you know, they got some guys up front that can get after the quarterback. I know TJ Watt got hurt, but he made an impact. Alex Highsmith made an impact and they stressed that new work offensive line. And so when you have what four is it? Yeah. Four new starters up front of the offensive line and a quarterback that missed a lot of time in the buildup to the season it looked like a, a team that didn't have their timing and chemistry down offensively. I think this is um, this is important to note as well. Um, Pittsburgh won the game twenty three to twenty. Pittsburgh had a defensive touchdown, courtesy of Minka Fitzpatrick. They were outgained by nearly two hundred yards of total offense by Cincinnati. Uh, they were almost outproduced in first downs by a ratio of three to one by Cincinnati, 32 to 13. Pittsburgh had 267 yards of offense and 13 first downs, but because they manufactured five turnovers, they won the football game. Oh, and oh, by the way, Cincinnati missed two kicks, one at the end of regulation mm-hmm. and one in overtime in the final few minutes. Long so, snappers matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my question is, is that this outcome probably feels like a little bit of an aberration versus, you know, when you, when you actually look beyond just, oh, Pittsburgh won 23 to 20 and you see yeah. how Pittsburgh got there. It's like, oh, well, a lot of the concerns that you still had about Pittsburgh still very much exist. And you're not often going to win the turnover battle in a football game five to nothing. Right, yeah, that's what it took, right, for for this result to happen. And and Steelers fans, I don't think, came out of that game feeling overly good. I mean, offensively, they were really lame. I mean, passing the ball, running the ball, a lot of concerns about what they actually have with that offensive line, which is something you've been talking about for the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a good example of the result. The result's a bit of a liar here, where I think Cincy's going to be fine, and I think Pittsburgh – like they're this is kind of what they're going to need to to go right for them to to finish back in the postseason, right? I don't know if that's my expectation for Pittsburgh this year, but they're going to need games to go a certain way, and uh, it happened this time around for them in Week One, just like it like it did last year, Week One for Pittsburgh. Right. By the way, did you see the um, the Mitchell Trubisky passing chart, courtesy of Next Gen Stats? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. No. Oh yeah, it's um. Looks a lot like the Pittsburgh offense from last year. I'll say that. Pop gun offense. Yeah, we got uh, 38 one, passing attempts, 194 yards. Like, you got to do more with that one, much two, opportunity. We completed two passes beyond 20 yards on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Not a math guy, but that's two for eights, 25% beyond 20 yards downfield. Uh, and in between 10 and 19 yards, they attempted three passes in the entire game. And a lot of your volume is eight yards into the line of scrimmage and outside the numbers. So it's uh, it's not just Ben Roethlisberger, right? But the, the, the hope is that with a more dynamic athlete at the quarterback position, you can get more out of the offense. And, and we'll see what it, it looks like um, 
for Pittsburgh moving forward. But yeah, that was a a fun game to kind of dig into and and see how we got to the result that we do. I think the how we got the result we did in San Francisco Chicago is pretty easy to to calculate, right? Rain, 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 rain go neutralizer, away. right? Always favors the worst team. Can you think of any instance in which the rain like that does not favor the worst team? Never. No, it's a neutralizer. Rain is. Tell tell the listeners more about that. Well, yeah. So rain is a neutralizer because it slows down the playing field and it makes everybody pretty one dimensional. And, you know, you think about a team like San Francisco that I'm sure they would love to get the ball down the field to Brandon Ayuk and, and throw the ball more to Debo Samuel and, um, be able to use some of their athleticism in their front seven to be more attacking. Well, when you have a sloppy field and I don't mean, I mean, just playing in puddles basically with rain, it's going to impact your ability to execute and introduce more variance into the results of plays. And that's always going to favor the team that doesn't quite have the talent to match up like the bears would with the 49ers. And they were able to win 19 to 10. Uh, By the way, Chicago 204 yards of offense, <laughs> 15 first downs, lost the time of possession battle, but won the turnover battle and won the football game. I think it's a for Chicago, it's like obviously it's a rallying opportunity for them. It's good that they won. They have mm-hmm. some confidence after kind of be counted out all offseason long. And I mean, you think about some of the questions Justin Fields faced all offseason long about you know, does he have what it's, you know, what's necessary around him to succeed? And, you know, whether he was honest or not, he kind of had to to be the company man there. And for him to go out and be able to win this football game, I think that's going to mean a lot for them moving forward. But I don't think this is a situation where when it's all said and done, we anticipate the Bears finishing with a better record than the 49ers. Uh, San Francisco penalized 12 times for 99 yards as well versus Chicago three for 24. So San Francisco lost turnovers and penalties. And because of that, that's and look like Chicago hit Dante Pettis for a 51 yard touchdown, right? Like, again, you you take the conditions for what they are. Now, I do think San Francisco is a team that that we generally had is what, like a 10 win team? Yeah. How good do we feel about Elijah Mitchell going down for probably potentially a month early in the season? Is this is this part that we? This is why you draft Ty Davis Price in the third round after you kind of knew you were going to move on from Trey Sermon. But still, like it, it's a really unfortunate development for a guy who was really productive for you last year. Does it change anything in your perception of them? Well, yeah, I think think first of all, let's acknowledge it sucks for Elijah Mitchell. We we're rooting for him. We had a chance to spend time with him at the Absolutely. Super Bowl. Big fan of Elijah Mitchell. However, there's a a pretty significant sample size of this Shanahan offense and pretty much being able to plug just about any back into it and then being productive. And so while I think this sucks for Elijah Mitchell, I'm not sure that it it impacts my forecast for this football team because of their ability to get production out of so many different running backs. Uh, Nice nice to see uh, Debo Samuel continuing to be in his bag of tricks, eight for 52 on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Right. But remember, guys, doesn't want to be a running yeah, back he anymore. Want to do that anymore. Doesn't He's want to do get that those, anymore. Uh, that contract accelerator's kicking in, I'm sure. Right. So, so, okay. 
So I don't think through the first two games we discussed, there was anything super alarming like, hey, this this team might be a problem, right? Versus what our expectations were. It's just there's unique circumstances with game scripts and the way that they go. And uh, th- that led to some surprising results. But, but, you know, big picture, I think we're still pretty confident in where we stand on all four of the teams that we've discussed. How about uh, how about Green Bay and Minnesota, Kyle? Is this a is this a situation where maybe Minnesota is a little better than maybe we thought? And Green Bay, there's some real concerns about what this team can get done this year after you know several great seasons in a row. You know, certainly a different look team, especially offensively. Well, I, I think there were some things with Green Bay that were self inflicted. I think if you're Minnesota, you absolutely feel great about your offensive performance, right? I mean, you came out and you put almost 400 yards of offense. You didn't turn the ball over. You won the time of possession battle. Um, Average six and a half yards per play. Kirk Cousins look good. There's, there's a lot of good that you can draw from if you're, you're Minnesota in this game. Um, Green Bay, I, I thought it was like, the strategy of the game was what was surprising to me. And I think it is important to remember that both of the starting tackles for Green Bay did not play in this contest. So, I mean, you're missing Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Those are two of your top five players on offense, at least. Yeah. If not two of your top four players on offense, if you want to like put AJ Dillon in there or not. Um, and Alan Lazard, you know, the, the probably the receiver with the most track record with Aaron Rodgers did not play as well. Right. So I, I think there's some things there. But then like defensively, like they're playing zone at a rate in which is allowing Justin Jefferson to just kill you in the first half of this game. And I think once the game script kind of got away and it's 17 nothing at halftime, like let's be honest, Green Bay's not really engineered to win games like this right now. And I talked about this yesterday on a video that ran on social, but like it, you're in this kind of weird identity crisis where you're paying a quarterback $50 million. But if you look at where Green Bay is at right now and the experience of their skill players and the situation on the offensive line, like you got to get the ball to Aaron Jones more than five carries and five targets in this football game. Yeah. Right. And AJ, and he outsnapped AJ Dillon. And AJ Dillon took more snaps. And if you want to say, okay, well, like, AJ Dillon was good. Great. Give the ball to AJ Dillon too. But like, um, I don't, I just don't know for green Bay. I think that's where I'm struggling right now beyond the context of missing both tackles is I'm having a really hard time negotiating this early season situation. And the fact that they fell behind early and Christian Watson dropped the, the long touchdown target that, I mean, he would have walked into the end zone if he hadn't dropped it in the first six minutes of the game. Who knows what the game looks like if he doesn't, but he did. And then Green Bay never got teeth, and therefore Minnesota uh, surprises. And I saw their their odds to win the NFC West or NFC North jump to like almost equal with Green Bay as a result of this game in 24 hours. So are you buying that? Oh man, that's that's so aggressive. I I predicted Minnesota to be a playoff team, so I feel good about that. But I did predict Green Bay to win this division. Um, yeah, I do think they need to be able to adapt defensively. You know, Justin Jefferson nine catches, one hundred and eighty four yards. 
two touchdowns. Not a single one of those yards came when Jair Alexander was defending him. So maybe that's something you need to be able to evolve with. And you got a player like Jair Alexander, a premier corner. Um, you want that matchup, right? That's why you have Jair Alexander. That's why you pay him. And so I would I would have leaned into that a whole lot more. Um, but I think my bigger concern is is you know obviously being mindful of the offensive line players that weren't there, but there was just a, a lack of comfort from Aaron Rodgers, right? Like his process was really strange in terms of how he was holding the football and being a little gun shy and just kind of, I mean, there's some drops in the game. It, it just didn't feel like he was comfortable at all. And my question is, okay, what's the path for him getting more comfortable? Because I remember there was a game last year where Devontae Adams didn't play and it was the same type of situation where it's just like, bro, What's your process here? What, what? Why you're averse to throwing the football? I mean, there's still some level of creativity, but he didn't. It wasn't vintage Rodgers. And what? What? What weapon is he going to develop this chemistry with that's going to allow him to play more within rhythm and have a true go-to player? I, I don't think it's going to happen. Aaron Jones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be how like the New Orleans Saints have used Alvin Kamara, like. That's what you have to do, in my opinion. And great, like your two best skill players are your two backs. There's no reason why both those guys can't be on the field at the same time all the time. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just, I get nervous about that, man. Like if you're going to be a a top caliber offense, I mean, can't is that how you can do it? Well, and I don't, I don't think that we necessarily felt that they would be a top caliber offense. You know, I mean, you, you look at the supporting cast, the 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 interior of the offensive line is inexperienced and, and quite frankly, not good. I know they've spent a ton of draft picks on this offensive line, but you're playing Elton Jenkins in his third position in as many years consecutively. He's guard. Now he's left tackle. Now he's right tackle. And. Like you, you have a bunch of day three guys playing inside at guard and center, and like Josh Myers has potential as a uh, as a day two guy, but he played like two hundred snaps last year. You've got no no existing chemistry anywhere on the offensive line, other than at left tackle and Bakhtiari didn't play last year. Never mind, they didn't play in this game. But uh, can we talk about the Giants? They went uh, to Tennessee, won the football game. Um, kind of lasering in on the Giants side of things. I mean, Saquon Barkley, 18 rushes, 164 yards and a touchdown. Um, defensively, they're without KT and Aziz Ojolari and bottled up Derrick Henry in, in this rushing offense. I mean, 26 rushes, 93 yards for, for Tennessee. Um I mean, we've we've looked at the Giants as kind of a bottom tier team in terms of talent, but is there enough? Is there enough scrap here? Is there enough creativity from Brian Dayball? Is there enough good graces right now with some energy to think that this is a team that maybe doesn't have postseason aspirations, but can they win five, six, seven games? Like, is is that what could happen for this Giants team? Well, I think. We should acknowledge that that New York got a 65-yard explosive play in the passing game, Sterling Shepard, and they got a 68-yard explosive play run from Saquon Barkley, right? Like, if you get that kind of explosives and automatically flip a field, put yourself in scoring position to put yourself in a position to uh, 
I mean, look, come back from a 13-0 deficit in the second half. I mean, this was a weird game. But when you get those kinds of explosives and you are facing a team who, in hindsight, the best parts of what Tennessee is going to do on offense this year, without the weaponry outside, Kyle Phillips led the team in targets, receptions, and yards. Rookie, UCLA, day three. What's the what's the one area of strength that you looked at from the Gettleman roster? Lawrence and, and, and Williams in the middle. The defensive front having big physical guys who can hold the point of attack. So I think it's very surprising that you know, Tennessee chokes away a 13-0 lead in the second half of this game, but they gave the Giants, they, they didn't give the Giants, the Giants had two big hits. And if you get that on any given week, yeah. But uh, my concerns for New York are, okay, how's your back seven going to perform when a team has some weapons that can actually threaten you in the passing game? And then I think Tennessee shot themselves in the foot. So I think this this says more about Tennessee personally than it does about the New York Giants. Giants next three games, Carolina in Home games against Carolina and Dallas, and that three in a row at home: Carolina, Dallas, and Chicago. Probably three and one, right? <laughs> Did you ever think for a second in your life the Giants would be three and one for any four game stretch? No, but they'll lose to Carolina. I think Dallas is a shell of itself. Oh yeah. You also failed to mention at Green Bay and Baltimore the following two weeks. You How about after that? Ahead. Seattle, Houston, Detroit, Dallas, Washington. Okay, so I think when you look at the schedule, I think five wins is a reasonable expectation for the Giants. I don't know where we had them in the final playoff predictors, but Chris is on the case. It was probably four or five wins, I think. Three or four wins. We certainly didn't project them to beat Tennessee. So, yeah, you're going to be ahead of schedule on expectations if right. we had you picking in the top three, top five. Um, none of those numbers that you said. Two. Two and 15 is what you had them go. Yeah, oh, they're okay. halfway there. We played a yeah, game. Yeah, they are halfway there. So, yes, the, the Giants will outperform expectations. Pretty confident in that. The other side of that, Tennessee, what do we have them at, Chris? Tennessee, nine and eight. Okay. I still think that's probably in their realm of, of possibilities. In, in the South, yeah. Yeah, but concerning though, right? I mean, what weapons do they have in the passing game? Uh, Harold Landry's going to be missed on that defense. Or linebackers have, didn't play well. And and the, let's also acknowledge we did nine and eight before they lost Harold Landry. Yeah, well, and they got. I mean, they're starting Aaron Brewer at left guard. He's six one, two hundred eighty pounds. <laughs> Nicholas Petit Ferrer is the right tackle. I'd like to take back everything I said. This playoff predictors is completely messed up that I have here. Oh, interesting. It has the Washington Commanders at 16-1, and one, and I know we didn't oh, do that, so I don't know, know what happened here. Was, was that Chris? Did Ryan Fowler hack the Yeah, Ryan the, Fowler I, got I, the I mean, What happened? <laughs> what is going on? This is the one you did with Ryan for commanding the huddle. Right. Clearly. <laughs> did, no, didn't do that. I have no idea what this is. As the Jags um, at 11-6 and six winning the yeah, AFC South. Yeah, what is well, happening? I can tell you we didn't do that. So You've we'll have to go back and check the tape. Maybe we'll have a follow tomorrow. Hey, how about Seattle beating Denver mm. last night? Obviously, there's, there's a whole conversation to have about Chris. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to put the expletive tag on the show. But the shit show that was Nathaniel Hackett at the end of the game. The whole game. Well, We're talking and, about the end, but this guy was a disaster the whole time, man. 
what they was have the number penalties? one talking point we had about the Denver Broncos coaching? Inexperience, well, bro. What did, we we talked about it all offseason. It none showed these, up none in the biggest None of these guys have way. any significant experience in any prominent decision-making role in a coaching staff. Dude. Did it show last night? Just operationally, just an incredibly sloppy football team. Just Disaster in the red zone. 0 for 4 in the red zone. Couldn't get play calls in, man. Couldn't get personnel on the field. Russell Wilson's a quarterback. He started like hundreds of games. In a division that's going to be as tight as that one is, you can't give away a game the way they did last night. You, you know what's funny it. is we've we've said that all summer, and, but I I don't know. I've, towards the end of summer, I kind of came off that. I think this is a Chiefs and Chargers division, and the Raiders and Raiders and Broncos have a lot to prove in my mind. They have to flaws. me, they're average teams, and that's not a real. That, that's something I've been on for a while now. Oh, by the way, Broncos penalized twelve times for one hundred six yards. Just a complete garbage operation. The Denver Broncos last night. Imagine eight yard advantage. In total yards, uh, almost ten minute advantage in time of possession. Twelve penalties, one hundred six yards, two fumbles lost in like inside the two yard line. Imagine paying a quarterback two hundred fifty six million dollars and then choosing to go with the play that has a five percent success rate over a play that has a sixty six percent success rate. Imagine, imagine making that decision. And by the way, running down the clock when you had all three of your timeouts. One Couldn't one out made. of every three first downs Seattle got last night was courtesy of penalties from Denver. You ain't beating anybody like that, man. Disaster. Shout out Geno Smith for <laughs> he played a little better than I thought, man. Yeah, Geno, you know, obviously dealing what when you're 17 or first 18 for the game. <laughs> Dude, I'm like, what's going on here? You <laughs> some YOLO balls. I'm like, okay. DK was Gino making Smith some back? tough grabs. Is he? Can can the Jets trade for him again? Good can he Lord. can he be back on my team, Chris? You can have Teddy Teddy two gloves if you want him. No, thank you. I'll, I'll pass. I I'll say this in a crowded. Joe, you, you said you backed off the AFC West margin for error as competitive as as some people think it will be. The AFC playoff race will be wild, and for a team like Denver, who you expect to be in the playoff race at the end of the year. This is the kind of game that you'll look back on in February and say, if you if you miss the playoffs and say, damn, yeah, I can't believe we let that one get away. Right. Right. And they'll get better. Like procedurally, they won't be as awful as they were this game. They didn't play anybody in preseason, but I feel like that was kind of a theme also with week one. Just a lot of the players that didn't practice, a lot of the teams that held their guys out of preseason games, like you could tell in week one, there's a lot of really sloppy football operationally and just personnel wise. Any parting thoughts? We didn't talk about the Colts. I prefer to, I'd prefer to pretend this tie did not happen when Jonathan Taylor rushes for 161 yards and Matt Ryan throws for 352, uh, and and you still tie. But here we are. They get the Texas got a little punch, man. They got a little punch in them. Oh, by Good the way, them. Colts 517 yards offense, Houston 299. Indianapolis had 40 minutes time of possession and 13 more first downs than the Texans did, but they lost the turnover battle and they got more penalized. Can you find a freaking trend or what? Turnovers and penalties lose football games. Well, there you go. Well, that's that's how you, that's how the Colts came away. Did not win in week one in Houston. <laughs> and the Colts needed 17 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's insane, right? That is insane. You get 
You get three fifty from Matt Ryan, one sixty plus from Jonathan Taylor. You have five hundred seventeen yards offense. Thirty three first downs, bro. Forty minutes time of possession. You can't lose. You they ran ninety plays to sixty eight. <laughs> Woo! Texans rushed for 77 yards, 2.8 yards per clip. Didn't have a single rush longer than eight yards on the day. Mm. Didn't lose. Unbelievable. Uh, Big shout out to Jerry Hughes. Two sacks and an interception. He had two sacks all last year for the Bills. Uh, Matt Ryan fumbled four times. So, Yeah, there were some people saying that this Colts offensive line ain't it. You know, like left tackle, even Danny Pinter at right guard. Like they got a couple of holes. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Let's let's head over to the the TDN roster assessments, and we can look at the Indianapolis Colts. And I can tell you, we had a uh, quality depth option starting at left tackle and Matt Pryor, and you had a replacement level player starting at right guard and Danny Pinter. Right. Like we got to stop with the Colts have the best offensive line of the game because Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, they got two bad starters. Right. Well, it, you have Dennis Kelly on the roster. Would Probably you rather have Danny Pinter or Dennis Kelly playing right guard? Or would you rather have Dennis Ken- Kelly or Matt Pryor playing left tackle? Right. Dennis Kelly's got to be playing on this football team. Right. Um, okay. That's going to do it for us today on the show. All of the uh, surprise outcomes for us, teams that maybe didn't perform to or performed over our expectations. Hope you guys enjoyed this look into week one of the NFL season, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks to our friends over at the line for their continued support of the show. We'll talk with you all again tomorrow. So make sure you hit subscribe. Come on back and see us again. Thanks for being here for another episode of the draft dudes podcast. Be sure to subscribe. So you don't miss the next episode while you were at it. Help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.